What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Round Six podcast. We are your hosts, Keaton Cordell and Jake Smith, coming to you from Fort Worth, Texas, and Denver, Colorado. It, it was a great week of fights last week for the UFC. We had UFC Fight Night, Sandhagen versus Song, and it did not disappoint. I, I really enjoyed watching every single fight. We had a lot of good bets out there, a lot to recap on that front. But I, I mean, by all accounts, last week's card flew under the radar. It, it wasn't a card that you know, two months out, three months out, you look at and you point to and you say, man, that one's going to go off. It's going to be an absolute banger. But it, but it turned out to be just that. We saw some great finishes. We saw some nasty cuts. We saw pretty much everything that a UFC card has to offer all in one night on a card that just at face value did not seem like it was going to be just above and beyond. And it absolutely was. I really enjoyed uh, every fight that I watched. I think we hit a lot of our bets. We had another excellent week. And then moving forward to, the, to this week, we had the Contender Series, which was great. And how wild is it now that a 17-year-old kid is in the UFC? You know, a, a time in, in this guy's life where uh, most other people at his age are trying to figure out what their algebra homework is going to be, you know, for the following week. And, and he's in the UFC. He's got a contract. And, and we saw some really great stuff out of him, too. But, Jake, I want to kind of turn to you and uh, talking about UFC Fight Night, Sandhagen versus Song, and, and get your thoughts and, and your takes on some of these fights, and and uh, you know what did you see that that stuck out to you last week? Yeah, this is another one of those cards that it seems to be super consistent when you have a card that seems super lackluster, it doesn't have any of the big names on it. Those cards deliver every time. Like every time you see the comments on Instagram or on Twitter saying, "Oh, this card sucks. This is no one cares about this card." Every fight turns out to be an absolute banger. I mean, we ended the prelims with the Damon Jackson-Pat Sabatini fight, and that that was crazy. The first-round knockout from Damon Jackson and the story behind that one. He had just lost a family member in the past couple weeks, so the whole story behind that was awesome. And then we moved into the main card. We saw Joe Pfeiffer get the knockout again. I mean, be Joe Pfeiffer. I mean, Dana White said it. The guy's a beast. He got to drive Dana's Ferrari after that fight. He's living life right now. And then the last three fights were all nasty cuts, crazy fights. Andre Philly was drenched in his opponent's blood. We saw Gregory Rodriguez, RoboCop, have one of the nastiest cuts I've ever seen in my life. And then right after that, Song Yudong with yet again one of the nastiest cuts I've ever seen in my life. And it seemed like they set a precedent, too, from the co-main event that they were not going to stop the fight due to a horrible cut due to RoboCop and Song Yudong. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Those are disgusting. You, apparently on the top picture, you could see RoboCop's artery popping out uh, when they're stitching him up. I mean, that sounds like one hit and possible death, right? Yeah, I mean, the the picture that Dana posted after the fight of 
the the doctor stitching him up like the before and after was wild and, and on the broadcast they didn't even capture this top photo of, of rodriguez in the corner getting worked on but that photo just to me shows how much worse that cut was than i even thought it was and i already thought it was horrible and i, I mean like you can see skull there like that's that's as bad of a cut as i've ever seen and it's right between the eyes like you can't avoid like if someone's sticking a jab out there, what are you aiming at? You're aiming right there for the most part. Like yeah. you can't avoid anything when you've got a cut in that spot. And it was just, I mean, by far the most disgusting cut I've ever seen. And then, and then, like you said, you followed it up with Sanhagen versus Song. Sanhagen hits Song Yudong with like a, just kind of a, an elbow that just grazed his eyebrow only just, but it's one of those tactical elbows to me. Like, of course, if Sanhagen gets, damage out of that great like that's you know ultimately what you're going for but i don't also don't think you're mad if you just happen to graze over someone's forehead or in this case song's eyebrow and you leave them with a nasty cut they said it on the broadcast during that fight but oftentimes it's not um the big damaging elbows that make those cuts it's it's those cuts that just graze and kind of happen yeah. to split the skin open and, and this uh. cut was more or less like in song yudong's eye and yes, uh, slice. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Nice. And, and I think you brought up a good point, And I, I never thought about this last week um, about kind of the, the doctor that was on hand for the UFC last weekend and um, some of the refs and, and all involved setting a kind of a precedent for the main event after that co-main with Chitty and Joe Kwani mm -hmm. and Gregory Rodriguez, because you can't have a fight like that co-main and a cut that happened. And then you see songs cut, which is bad by like any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's a horrible cut, but it's also not as bad as Gregory's in my mind. It's still bad, but it's not bad yeah. like that. Um, and the so fact that, that the fact that Gregory came back to win after yeah. like, this picture is in between rounds one and two, like that we need to make clear. This picture is in between the rounds. The top picture, he comes back and wins after this. So that that is why it's like, okay, what do you do here? Because if you can win with a cut like that, so can Song. Yeah, well, and I liked what I saw out of the doctor uh, in the Octagon last week. I don't, I don't know his name, but shout out to you, Doc. You did a great job all, all night. You had, a, had your work cut out for you. But uh, some doctors, it seems like when, when a, a, you know, a bad cut happens, uh, it almost seems like they go in there and, and – just and i get like you want to be cautious and you want to you know protect the fighters and and protect them from themselves i guess is a good way to put it but i think what i saw out of this doctor last weekend was he was going in there he was looking at the cuts and and there was like an open line of communication between him and the fighter as to you know how are you doing what are you feeling and the fighter's obviously never going to lay down and quit but at the same time, if it's not greatly affecting your vision and the cut's not a serious threat to your well-being in the long run, let them fight, you know, and we saw just that. And, and obviously in, in Gregory Rodriguez's situation, it, it proved to be the difference and he went on to win the fight. And, mm -hmm. you know, Chidi had kind of gassed himself trying to go after a finish and I, I don't really blame him for that. Um, but then in Song's case, you know, he just kind of ran out of time. And I don't think there's many bantamweights that are just going to outpace Corey Sandhagen. Like, Corey Sandhagen's, like, flow and the, the volume of strikes that he throws is just unreal. And the crazy thing is, 
if he hits you in the right spot with one of those, like he does have knockout power. But ultimately, like pound for pound, I think Corey's one of those guys that really oftentimes wins um, just on sheer volume and his ability to break his opponents. Like you, you don't see anything left from any of his opponents that go more than like three to five rounds with him because they're all mentally broken in those fights that he wins. So uh, I love what I see out of Corey. He's still coming up, and, and I think we're really at this point set up for a great scrap at the top of the Bantamweight division, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what his next step is. Yeah, so going off of that, there's pretty much only three guys at the top of the Bantamweight division that are not booked up, and I feel like two of them are going to be matched up. It's Corey, it's Marab, and it's Cheeto. I don't think, I think every fan wants to see Corey and Cheeto. I think Marab is going to get the short end of the straw here. I, cause nobody wants to fight Marab, you know? Corey doesn't want that fight. Cheeto doesn't want that fight. These are two strikers that would match up amazing with each other. That'd be a very fan-friendly fight. Nobody wants that pressure of Marab. Nobody wants that wrestling of Marab. Like you just said yourself, I don't think anybody can keep up with the pace of Corey. I don't think Corey can keep up with the pace of Marab. That's like, fair. That yeah. is a different pace. That is a different machine. Like he yeah. is literally a machine. So, wh- what do you do in that division? Like, where does where does Marab go? Where does Marab fit into all this? Well, I don't personally, and, and I love Marab as much as anyone. You and I have both been huge Marab fans since he got signed off of Dana White looking for a fight. But I don't think Marab really did himself any favors in his last fight. Uh, as good of a fight as I thought it was. Um, it, it just didn't help him, you know, advance at all. I think, it, if anything, it kind of stagnated him a little bit in that he probably needs, you know, another fight of some, like with someone of similar stance and stature as his last fight. And uh, to me, realistically, I think you've got to go with the Corey versus Cheeto fight. Mm-hmm. I, like, there's no other fight that makes sense there. And you hit the nail on the head perfectly. Um, and saying that stylistically it's a great matchup because both of them are strikers. Uh, in this last fight with Corey, it almost kind of seemed like he was taking a page out of Piotr Jan's book, and he started a little bit slower, uh, kind of in an attempt to feel out his opponent and stuff. So to me, that's a fight that, if it gets booked, probably just knowing how both of those guys start out of the gate, first round, second round, going to be good rounds, but it's going to be like kind of time for them to feel each other out. And then when that third round hits, man, it's going to be a war. And it's going to be just an insane fight. So Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely the one you book there. And and I think you're right in saying Marab's probably going to get the short end of the stick and end up on the outside looking in here. Um, So I don't don't really know what you do with Marab, to be quite honest. It's it's kind of one of those situations where you've got a guy that's unfortunate as it may be, just someone that's, like I said, on the outside looking in. And he's going to have to wait for, for the division to kind of open up a little bit and find the right opponent. Yeah, unless unless he's willing to fight, and I mean, when I say fight down, I mean fight way, way, way down. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not getting a fight until the loser of Aljamain and Dillashaw, more than likely, or the loser of Piotr Jan and um, Shirdan. Like there's, yeah. there's just no, there's nothing out there for him. Like there's really nothing out there. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that, and I, I don't think like. there's kind of two sides to this because obviously Aljamain is a wrestler, um, but obviously those two don't have any plans to see each other inside the octagon anytime soon or at all. Um, But the, the Bantamweight division is kind of scarce 
for wrestlers. Like there's, it's pretty striking heavy, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't yeah. a bad thing. I think that's why it's kind of emerged as one of the fan favorite divisions and one of the most like exciting divisions to watch in the UFC. But Marab needs someone that's not afraid of that wrestling. And not that any of those guys are afraid, like that's probably not the right word to put there. Um, but he would need to, to me, someone that is very confident in their takedown defense, which we saw out of Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo was a good match for that because mm-hmm. his takedown defense historically throughout the course of his career has been unbelievable. Um, but, but you need someone that's, that's not going to be, you know, afraid of the pressure and, and what he brings to the table and it's going to be willing to take it to him. Yeah. Like looking at the rankings right now. He's far down the list, very far down the list, sitting at 13. But I would definitely love to see Marab and Umar Nurmagomedov go against each other. That would be a scrap on the ground. No doubt. That that If Umar can get one, maybe two more wins in like a short amount of time, sure, that could be an awesome fight. But, I mean, yeah, again, there's, no, there's just nothing for Marab at the top of the division. Yeah, but ultimately kind of walking it back here, Corey Sandhagen, Cheeto Vera insane fight i'd love to see it happen but let's kind of transition here into the the betting side of last week's card we had another great week if you're out there and you're not taking us serious it's probably about time to wake up and start taking us serious because we had a great week again this this might have been uh with the exception being the ufc paris card this might have been the best card we've had uh, since we started doing this so so jake you want to kind of take us through what we've got there you you were uh, doing a good job of tracking our units last week's uh, for last week's card, and uh, I really like doing that. And we're going to start tracking units moving forward. But Jake, take us through it. Yeah. So the way we got this number from is what we're doing from now on is we're going to do a ten dollar unit. So you can adjust the, the the unit size. You can adjust all that for what you're doing. But the way we're doing it is a hundred dollars will be our max bet ever. So you're never doing more than a hundred dollars. So ten units on that. So our hammer of the week will always be our max bet. 10 units, $100, throw it down. Our dog of the week is always going to be four units. And then our parlay and all of our regular picks will be one unit. So when using those numbers, this week we came up a little over nine units, which is, that's a crazy number. That's actually a crazy number. So looking at our picks, we did seem to lose on the Bozer Nascimento under, as well as the Boss Rot by KO or Sub. But the two we hit, uh, Andre Philly Moneyline, Jillian Robertson by submission, both pretty much even Moneyline bets. Corey Sandhagen, we throw 10 units down. That is a massive payout off that Moneyline. And then for our dog of the week, we had four units down on a plus 185 dog. That, that's, I mean, that's just about doubling your money. So it, this well, is a massive week for us. Yeah, and, and the, the thing I love most about that Jackson Sabatini fight is that um, you and I, in, in talking about our bets beforehand, like as soon as we saw some lines for that fight, we were like, bang, that's the one. Like we were, we were attacking that fight in some way or another. And I'm just glad we did it the right way. I remember, I remember looking through the, uh, both of their records finishes. It's like one of them, I'm pretty sure had one fight go to a decision in mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. So it's just like, how is this plus 185 for under two and a half rounds? Like this fight is not going the distance. And then you watch the fight, it doesn't even leave the first round. Like It was the second a connection happened, Damon Jackson was all over Sabatini, and then he got that finish. I mean, I was going nuts. 
Yeah, well, and as soon as they announced on the broadcast that I think it was his brother had passed away like five days before yep. he fought, I was like, oh, Damon Jackson's there getting a huge comes. win here. Yeah, yeah like, there was no doubt that he was getting a big win. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, that that was the pick of – it wasn't one of our picks of the week, but that was the pick of the week for me. Like when that Absolutely. fight started, I was like, here we go. I mean, I was locked into that mm-hmm. one. That was a great fight. Mm-hmm. And then our parlay – just got absolutely screwed by Zellieber, but Canelo got the win and Pfeiffer got the win. We just just missed it on yet another minus four hundred favorite. How does that happen? Like, and I understand like Zell Huber's line was inflated because he's only fought in Mexico and he's just out there starching dudes in Mexico. Mm. Um, and I think I, I want to say it was Paul Felder that said on the broadcast that. Like, you kind of get that false sense of confidence if you're only fighting in one country and fighting people from that one country because it's almost like a big fish in a small pond kind of situation. And then when you get to the UFC, it's like, oh, I've got a whole nother level of of talent and ability here. Um, but that, that one made me mad because I was so confident in his money line just based on everything that I'd heard about him coming out of Mexico. But, I mean, it's proof that the UFC is the highest level of this game and you know, shout out to Trey Ogden for getting it done. What can you say? You know, and he fought a great fight. It's not like that fight was close. Trey Ogden was like, it was like a 30-27 easily, I think. I yeah. don't think there's any question about that fight. So no, not at all. Is what it is. We'll bounce back, have a good parlay next week. We got to get another one to hit. Parlays are my favorite, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll bounce back. Don't worry about that. We'll bounce back. It's not like we need to bounce back anyway. Uh, now that we're starting unit counts, we are officially up 9.36 units. We're not gonna take it. We're not gonna go back and look at all the past events just because we didn't have units put out. We weren't saying what we were gonna do. But from now on, you know what the what the unit size is, what we're putting on each bet, and so now we can track from here on and just see how much money we can make by the end of the year. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Let's move forward. Since we don't have a card this week, we decided that we would play a game instead. So Jake and I have found two tattoos each that are either horrible or our favorite or whatever the case may be tattoos in the UFC. And we're going to try to guess whose tattoos are whose. So Jake, you want to start us off? Whose tattoo do you have first? Yeah. So here we go. First off, one of the worst tattoos I have seen in UFC history. I mean, one of the absolute worst. Um, That one's horrible. And not give them away. Big, big fighter. We'll say over 170 pounds. Okay. Um, I'll just leave it at that. He's had a big knockout, big finish this year. Yeah, this one's this one's a horrible one. I mean, like, just looking at it, like, it looks like someone in, like, a middle school art class drew the thumbs up. But that one's tough because there's – I know I've seen it before, but there's, like, there's two people that are stuck in my mind, and I don't think it's one of them. Uh but see, okay, here's where I'm hung up. And this isn't my final guess, but this is what I'm going to say. I think it's Jamal Hill, but I'm not positive. But I also thought Jamal Hill had like sweet dreams tattooed across his chest or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this says sweet dreams. That does not so that, say sweet dreams. So that's where I'm hung up. Um, and I can't remember who, I know I've seen this tattoo, but I can't remember who else it might be so even though i think i might be wrong because of the sweet dreams thing i'm gonna say jamal hill is it jamal hill it's jamal hill yeah yeah there we go okay i was i was nervous about that 
I thought he had the sweet dreams like tattooed across the chest. All hell with the massive knockout of Johnny Walker in his last outing. Good God. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that tattoo is horrible. Now, I wouldn't say that to Jamal Hill's face. No. No chance. But if if I saw him in public, I'd say it's the coolest (laughs) tattoo I've ever seen. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll I'll get into my first one here for you, uh, and we'll throw it up on screen. So here's my first one. This is one of my – actually, I'm going to start with a different one. This is one of my favorite bad tattoos in the UFC. Oh, and it's pretty classic. It's pretty easy. Starting off pretty easy. It's not Just too so difficult. You're giving it way too easy for me. Way too way easy. Too but I, I couldn't not choose this one because it is so bad. Like, so okay, bad. Honest, I almost used this tattoo because of how bad it is. It's but, horrible. I mean, Darren Elkins, all day long. The damage. The damage. He, he lives and breathes that tattoo. That, that is literally who he is. It, it, it's so bad. It's not so bad. My favorite part about this picture too is that it's covered in blood. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like mid-fight, but <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got blood all over his body. It's just it's who he is. It's just yeah. Out. Yeah. No doubt. But that—that's I, I like. I know that one was easy, and I didn't think you would have any difficulty at all getting you it. Gotta throw that up there. But you gotta put that if you're oh, talking UFC tattoos. You gotta put Darren the Damage Elkins in there. So that was my first one. I, I think you might have a little bit of a tougher time on the second one, but for the time being. I'm okay. hoping you're going to have a tougher time on this second one because I really liked the second one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. What's, uh, what's your second tattoo here? What you got? All right, pulling it up. We have the full sleeve, but we're only doing a little part of that sleeve. I'm not going to tell you where this is on the body. I have it very zoomed in, but we'll leave it as a very detailed tattoo. Yeah, on a, that very tall, on a very tall human being. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at the tattoo, and I, I know I've seen it before, but I'm going to take all of the elements of this picture that I have into account and, and, and kind of work with what I've been presented here. I, so, tried, to, I tried to really zoom in. To yeah, so this is, this is how I'm going to narrow this one down. If the top of this photo is this fighter's shorts, there is not many guys that I know in the UFC that wear shorts that short, mm-hmm. like the the UFC shorts. There's, I mean, I'm sure there's a couple, but there's not many. So I think this is a woman. Okay. Um, and there's only one woman in the UFC that's got a leg sleeve this insane. So I'm going to say this is Megan Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's a great one. Her tattoos are amazing. Like Her that, there's, tattoos there's, are unbelievable. Like actually yeah. unbelievable. And, and I think it's there's such a it's such a double edged sword in the UFC from the standpoint of like some fighters like Darren Elkins and Jamal Hill and my next one are just the worst tattoos you've ever seen. And then there's also like the Dustin Poiriers and the Megan Andersons and some of them. TJ Dillashaw has great tattoos. A fight we were just talking about would be a fight between two of the best tattoos in the UFC, Corey Sandhagen and Cheeto Vera. Yeah, that yeah. piece on Corey, and then Cheeto is covered head to toe, literally head to toe. He just got his head done with that scorpion. He's got the full leg sleeve now. I know Cheeto gets his tattoos done, but I can't remember the artist's name, but he charges like 20000 bucks an hour or something oh, like wow. that. Oh, yeah. wow. It's, no, it's what absurd. They? Yeah. They better be good. <laughs> I was right. gonna use I was gonna use fighters like uh, like Sean Brady too, but I was like, ah, oh, he's gonna guess this or or Volkov's back. 
It's like, oh, he's going to guess this easily. Volkov's back is wild because it used to be like that Stingray, Mm -hmm. and then he got a cover-up done on it, and now it's like that samurai mask. It's kind of like Sean Brady's, actually. Yeah, very similar. All right, so here's my second and final tattoo. So you'll notice a theme on my tattoos. I did not pick good tattoos. I picked two of my favorite bad tattoos ever in the UFC. So I'll give you a little hint. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and put it on screen so you can see it. But I'll give you a hint here. So obviously it's it's a man, but... It's an older fighter who's no longer in the UFC. This was this was like an early 2010s uh, era fighter, and just for for anyone that might not understand what what they're looking at here, because it's such a bad tattoo. Yes, your eyes do not deceive you. That is Johnny Cash on a man's arm, and it is so bad. This is this is a tougher one, even though this is an iconic bad tattoo. I was gonna say I've seen this tattoo before. I I remember, I, I remember looking up like a like a UFC worst tattoos video or something like that. And Dana mm-hmm. White's looking at this one. He's just like, "What? Like, who, who gets this?" But well, oh, it's like if you you can get a tattoo of Johnny Cash if it's a good tattoo of Johnny Cash. But this is just awful. Any guesses? This one's this one's tougher just because it's not a super well known fighter. But yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know the name of the fighter. To me, the only reason that Alan Belcher is well known is because of this tattoo. Of so that's Alan Belcher. Yep. Ah, nuts. It's terrible. But I couldn't. I, I knew that one would be tough just because he's not like a famous, famous fighter. But how can you not put that tattoo in there? That, I mean, that is probably the worst tattoo in the UFC. I can't think of any that are worse. Even even some of the bad ones, like Darren Elkins, at least has a meaning behind it. Like you just mm-hmm. got like a watercolor picture of Johnny Cash drawn on your arm. Like that's bad. That's, that's so that's bad. bad. That's so bad. Like yeah, yep. Yeah. All right. So moving forward, uh, love the tattoo game. We'll have to revisit that at some point in the year, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe even in the future, come up with like you had mentioned. Uh, a good all-time tattoo fight. So we might have to put a fight card together based on tattoos, which oh, I yeah. really uh, But moving forward, Jake and I have both put together lists of our top three finishes and our top three fights of 2022. So we're going to revisit those real quick um, and take a look and, and kind of see uh, some of the good fights and some of the good finishes that we've had so far in 2022. I think there's been a lot to choose from. Uh, but Jake, you want to go ahead and get us started with your top three finishes in 2022? Yeah, for sure. So starting at number three, I'm going to go with uh, Josh Quinlan versus Jason Witt in the first round knockout. This was one of the nastiest knockouts of the year, by far, in my opinion. He caught him with the left hook, and Jason Witt just falls back completely out cold. And here comes Quinlan for the big follow-up shot and just stops. Like, he, he had the wherewithal to know the ref is stopping this fight. This was a walk-off KO. But when you watch that fight, when you watch that knockout, I mean, that is as clean of a walk-off KO as you get. I mean, out cold straight from the hit. So, yep. so that number three, great. we're going Quinlan versus Jason Witt. And then moving on to number two, I'm going to go with – let's go with Cheeto Vera against Dominic Cruz. The one and two is very tough for me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Cheeto versus Dom. I mean, like we we showed that knockout on this podcast a couple weeks ago. We showed the picture with Dom's nose flattening from that foot. That 
the view they show in slow motion of Cheeto's foot coming up and Dom slipping straight into the kick is, oh my God, just disgusting. Because you watch his nose literally break in slow motion. Like you see every pit, like every bit of it break. So sitting at number two, absolutely going to be Cheeto Vera. And then moving on to number one, I mean, I don't think anybody can argue with the number one. There is a number one knockout of the year, and it is Michael Chandler front kicking Tony Ferguson straight to hell. I mean, that, that that's one of the best. That is the best front kick I've ever seen. That beats that beats the Cheeto front kick against Frankie Edgar. That beats the Anderson Silva Vitor Belfort front kick. There's nothing that beats this one. That is, it was it was barely even a, like a front tee. It wasn't even that. He punted. Tony Ferguson's head straight out of the arena. Like it, yeah. that was just a crazy knockout to me. Yeah, no, that, that was, <clears throat> that was insane. I think those are all three great picks there. Uh, and I might have a little similarity in, in my list here as well. So for my top three finishes of 2022, I'm going number three, Ilya Toporia versus Jai Herbert. Mm-hmm. This fight happened back in March on the first UFC London card. I was in Vegas watching this and uh, I had, uh, a pretty good amount of money on Ilya Toporia, and he looked about as bad as you can look in the first round of that fight. And he comes out in the second round and just starts throwing some vicious combos, uh, catches Jai Herbert with a couple of them. But Jai Herbert was very much still in this fight. And then all of a sudden, Ilya comes in, throws a couple rips to the body, one hand right, uh, right hand right over the top, and just puts Jai Herbert out cold. Um, so for me, not only was that a great knockout, but I was also in Vegas and had money on Ilya Toporia. Uh, so for me, it's just that much better. Number two, and I think this is one that kind of snuck in there. Um, but again, love the knockout and, and, and how it happened. And I think it's beautiful for what it is, but this one's also cool for me because you and I were here in person for this one in Houston. So I'm going tie to Ivasa knocking out Derek Lewis I love Derek Lewis as much as anyone, but the way Ty um, just started running through Derek in that uh, in that second round there was just amazing. And then he throws one of the shortest elbows I've ever seen and puts Derek on his face. Um, so as much as I hate to see Derek Lewis get knocked out, because who likes to see Derek Lewis get knocked out? I also love to see Ty Tuivasa get a win, especially a big knockout and one that we were there in person for. So for, for that reason, number two, tied to Ivasa over Derek Lewis. Yeah, there's, there's the yeah, there, yeah, there it is. Right there. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, and then my number one, how can you not, you said it right, is also Michael Chandler over Tony Ferguson. Mm. Chandler just sent Tony Ferguson to the shadow realm. So yep. I don't know what, what more there is to say about that one. So that was uh, my top three finishes of 2022. And moving mm. on, last segment here. Top three fights of 2022. It wouldn't shock me, Jake, if there's some similarity between ours because there's just been some of those fights that are just clear-cut winners over the rest. Yeah. Uh, but what, what do you have as your top three fights of 2022? Yeah, so number three. This is this is pretty much the only one in on my list that didn't go the distance or at least did not go to the last round. But for the little bit of the fight that we did see, craziest fight of the year. Drew Dober and Terrence McKinney. I mean, these are two fighters. When they come out, it's going to be a brawl every time. Drew Dober is so electric. Terrence McKinney, so electric. McKinney doesn't get out of the first round ever. He's either getting knocked out or he's knocking somebody out. In this fight, we basically saw both. We saw Terrence McKinney come out super hot, knock Drew Dober down, 
it depends on the ref, honestly. Some refs could have stopped it. Others let it go. This one was let go. Dover was able to hold on to a leg, survive for about a minute, and then he turned the fight around and did the same thing back to McKinney. Ends up getting a knockout in the first round. But this was just... This was literally two knockouts in five minutes. Like, this was just an absolute madness of a fight. So, sitting at number three, I'm absolutely going Drew Dover and Terrence McKinney. Number two... Hamzat and Burns. That that was a crazy fight. A lot of people wanted to give that to Burns. Watching it over a couple times, no, absolutely not. It goes Hamzat, Burns, Hamzat, absolutely. Hamzat, I think some, pe- some people want to give Burns round one. No chance in my mind. Absolutely zero chance. Hamzat dominated rounds one and three. And then just the fact that it turned into the fight that it turned into where these guys were no longer thinking about fighting. These guys were no longer doing anything smart. Gilbert is on his back, throwing hammer fists up in the air instead of protecting his head, while Hamzat is also hammer fisting down. Like, these guys were going for the knockout at every turn of this fight. This was just an absolute war. Uh, I, I don't think anything... I, I Yeah, this, this was just an absolute war. And then, sitting at number one, I'm going with Glover versus Yuri. That, that fight was crazy. I personally... Had money on Glover. I, I thought he was going to do it. I thought the old man could get it, get it done. And it looked like we were running to a decision for him. And then here comes Yuri, which is the, the, the rear naked choke out of hell. No hooks in and somehow still manages to get the squeeze strong enough to tap out the 205-pound champion. So, number one, I'm going to give it to Yuri Prohaska. That was fight of the year, in my opinion. We still have a quarter of the year left to go, so obviously these are mid to late end of year awards, but as of right now, I don't think anything's beaten Yuri Prohaska's win over Glover. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and, and that, that one also made my top three. Um, so my top three fights for this year so far, number three, Burns versus Hamzat. I think you're right uh, in saying that that fight, just game plans went out the window and it just became a street fight more or less, but that's, so those are some of the best fights that we see. Um, and kind of the theme for my top three best fights, and this is something that I truly believe makes a great fight uh, and a memorable fight, are fights in which both guys or girls have a chance to win. Like they both at some point or another have their opponent hurt uh, and therefore have a chance to win the fight and put it away. Obviously, sometimes in these it's multiple times per person, um, but that's kind of the theme for all three of mine for this year. So number three, Burns, Burns versus Shemaev. Both of these guys had each other hurt at one point or another in the fight, and it just turned out to be an awesome fight and just an all-out war. Uh, number two for me is Cyril Gon versus Ty, kind of for the same reasons. We saw Cyril obviously had kind of the edge in that fight, but Ty's the first guy to ever put Cyril Gon down. You know, so uh, how can for me at least, especially as as a heavyweight fight and in a fight that no one thought Ty had any chance for him to come out there and, and get some respect. Um, for people to really see that he belongs at the top of the heavyweight division, that he's not just a brawler. Uh, that was huge for me, and I think that fight was crazy. I remember watching that in my office before uh, we had a game that night, and I had to go work, and I was just going insane. I ended up having to close the door in my office because I was being so loud. So yeah. that fight was wild. Uh, and then number one for me, still exact same as you, Yuri Prohaska and Glover Teixeira, like – if you aren't a UFC fan or if you know someone that's not a UFC fan and you want to make them one, that's the fight you show them. Like, 
like I remember watching that in the office too after a game with some of my friends that weren't UFC fans. And uh, my friend Seth is actually now just the biggest Yuri Prohaska fan ever because of oh, yeah. the, the samurai situation and the fact that he ends up winning that fight uh, and doing it via rear naked choke and not even a good looking rear naked choke. He just went for a kind of a Hail Mary sub to avoid going to the scorecards mm -hmm. and he gets it done. He, he chokes out Glover Teixeira, one of the better jujitsu practitioners pound for pound, like in, in, in the UFC's history. So that was a crazy fight to me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, my top three. I, I think they're all amazing. I was going to say, that's a great point too, because I think Yuri Prohaska made more casual fans in that fight than any fight in the entire year so far. I think I have heard more about Yuri in that fight than, than any other newcomer, basically. I think he has all of the casual fans on his side after that one. I know I went and watched it with my roommates and some of my friends, people that don't really care about UFC that much. All of them were obsessed with Yuri after that. Seeing the hair, seeing his style, his fight style, like his, just everything about him. He made so many new fans. So, like that fight alone made quite an impact for him. Yeah, no, it absolutely did. I, I love him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I, I love Yuri, uh, definitely. So, uh, those are our top three fights. We uh, obviously did our top three finishes, played some guess that tattoo, obviously all in place of us putting our bets in because sad face there's no card this weekend so gotta wait till october to first. saturday now just football we just we're just we should, maybe maybe we put out some football picks who knows yes I mean, <laughs> sucks right yeah it does it really like, does saturday without ufc i'm literally just looking around like the hell do i do today you're just staring at the wall like yeah maybe we'll try <laughs> ufc tomorrow I was going to say, maybe I'll just rewatch some old ones, probably. Yeah, hey, never a bad option. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, if you guys have any tattoos that you love or you hate, send them in. I'd love to see y'all's thoughts. Same thing, top three finishes, top three fights. If anyone out there has opinions on any of those fights, send them our way. We'd love to talk about them. And maybe there's some that we missed. I'm sure there are. Um, but those are just our opinions on those. Uh, but I think that about wraps us up for this week. Had a lot of fun doing this one. I love playing the little side games. Uh, they're always fun. But, Jake, you have anything else you want to say before we sign off here? I think it's about it. Just ready to get back into some live UFC action. Yeah, ready to get the bets going again. Mm -hmm. So we'll be back at you guys next week with a full slate of bets. Uh, we'll be kind of previewing this upcoming card. It's going to be Mackenzie Dern versus Yan Xiaonan on October 1st. So we got some time to wait, but the good news for us is that means we've got some time to put these bets in and really find some solid picks mm -hmm. to keep this hot streak rolling. But I think that about does it for us this week. So make sure you go follow us on Instagram at round six pod, subscribe to the YouTube page. We'll be posting clips. We'll be posting all of our bets. You don't want to miss any of it. It's going to be a lot of fun and we're going to make some money together. So without further ado, we'll see y'all next Friday. Y'all have a good one.